You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. Did you know we have an app for this podcast? Yes, it's for iOS and for Android. And it's free, baby cakes. What isn't free is freedom. Every day you get up, there's somebody trying to infringe on your right to be you. This week, I'm letting my co-host take the reins. Michael J. Woodland interviews Kevin Dixie. Mr. Dixie runs the No Other Chance Firearms Training out of St. Louis, Missouri area. This dude's not doing it for show. He's doing it for sure. Good father, positive mentor, holistic trainer, grassroots activist. The audio is not the greatest, so please forgive me in advance. But please stick around. It gets better, and there's some gems in there you won't hear anywhere else. And after that, Andrew Branca gives us the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week with something that happened here in Virginia with law enforcement. And this is the podcast like no other. It's been around since 2007. I'm your friend and your brother from another mother. And this is what cool sounds like. Welcome. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. For those who don't know, I've been in firearms since 1986 professionally. I was a federal law enforcement officer and a federal firearms trainer. We worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. We were government employees, and we qualified folks for armed duty in hostile environments around the world, and I actually did a lot of that myself. Because when they couldn't train anybody, they sent the trainer to do the do. Around 1991, I got involved in politics for the first time and helped start the concealed carry movement that spread across the country. I and a handful of folks testified in front of Congress and legislatures across the country to start the foundation to what we have right now. Since 1991, I've been known as the black man with a gun. Self-published a book by that name back in 1999, and a new updated version is available now on Amazon under the title Black Man with a Gun Reloaded by White Feather Press. Today, I am proud to say there are hundreds of black men and women with guns that are on social media, that are teaching others. But it's not all positive. A lot of posers out here. A lot of folks faking the funk. And this week, I want to highlight somebody that's not, that's doing exactly what's supposed to be done to help our country one person at a time. I know a few. But this one, his name is Kevin Dixie, and Michael's going to introduce us to him today, after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. All right, Mike, you're up, man. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland, and today we're going to have a discussion with another instructor out of St. Louis. 
reached out to my buddy Kevin Dixie of No Other Choice Firearm Training and asked if he was up for a discussion. He agreed, and here is our conversation. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just um, trying to enjoy this holiday season and get ready for 2018. Yes, right around the corner. Yep, that's it. That's it. So, um... Let me start it off, but let me just ask you a little bit about yourself and no other choice on firearms training. All right. Well, no other choice is, um, well, my name, of course, as you said, so I'll be a little redundant. Kevin Dixie. I'm out of St. Louis, Missouri. And no other choice firearms training uh, is my brainchild program, and it's a different approach to firearms training or any kind of self-defense training. So I started off professionally uh, dealing with firearms with my stint with the St. Louis City Police Department and in the prison division. And while there, uh, introduced the firearm. And got to learning the mechanics of it, I was really into them though. More so than just, look, you squeeze the trigger and they go bang. I was like, well, why is it going bang? I was the guy, you ever just had the guy in any kind of class that just asked all the questions and you love he's asking questions, but he's borderline annoying? Yes. <laughs> why is this working like this? Mm. What is going on? I was a 21 year old kid and I'm just like, this is really interesting. I like these things. And, um, from there, it, just, it, it took off. So I noticed a lot of people in society were just some evil people, just the way it was. And um, I wanted to make sure that, that other individuals had a way of protecting themselves. And it kind of started really in part dealing with women. Uh, having a single mom that, you know, we had to grow up in and we grew up in. Um, and then seeing all the, the heinous things that people were doing, and women in particular, I was like, you know what? I want to start training them to protect themselves. I wasn't thinking about a business. I wasn't thinking like that. I just wanted to help them, give them a skill set. So I started with that, and then I just started noticing that, you know, guys need to be able to protect themselves too. You know, there's me equal and fair here. So I started bringing everybody in. Um, and then at the same time, with doing what I did for so long, um, the unfortunate part of my job was sending people places they didn't want to be. And a lot of times, those good people making bad decisions. It's really good people that just in a human moment made a bad decision, thinking they understood how laws were, thinking they, uh, that self-defense is common sense, and they were making mistakes that was, you know, changing the course of their lives forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one day you're a good, hardworking parent, you do something at night, and the next thing you know, 10 years later, you let your kids grow up. So, I wanted to change that instant name, no other choice. You want to make sure that you understand before you ever use, I don't care if it's uh, your physical ability to defend yourself or a firearm to defend yourself, want to make sure that it's a last resort and not something you consider to be your first option. Now, that's kind of where it came from. No, I got you on that, and which actually makes perfect sense as to why you're doing what you're doing. Now you go out and you do a lot of talking about training and support for the cause of training, but what is the one thing that upsets you about anything relating to firearms? One thing. Oh, you want? Uh, yeah, you can go as many as you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a few touchy subjects for me, man. Um, I would definitely say the, the first thing being the, the, the individuals that don't believe you have a right to protect yourself. It doesn't even upset me anymore. It just agitates me. It's like, okay, here we go again with this conversation. But you know what? It's a conversation that needs to be had, and I'm more than willing to have it with people. But that's always one that tickles me. Um, when it comes to, I'll use the term lightly, you know, 
uh, shooters, uh, people that go out and actually, you know, uh, go to the range and do things like that. I would say that the one thing from a training aspect that bothers me, and normally when I say this, every trainer uh, gets to check a lot, at least you probably will too, is I know it all first. Hey, I've shot a gun in my uncle's house on New Year's Eve. I got this. You can't let me can teach me. Um, I literally had a guy, I moved right to the episode here in St. Louis, the range St. Louis West, and he literally had an individual come in and you know, he was, um, he came in and he wanted some, some parts for uh, his gun, you know, and we're, we're having a conversation about his AR, you know, he was talking to an, uh, another uh, competition shooter actually that uh, was very well. And he's talking, he's trying to help him out, you know, time goes on, I somehow get wrapped up in the conversation. And I was like, hey, what are you building this, uh, you know, your platform for? I always ask people about the TLF, you know, I mean, TLU, so I can repeat. I'm like, hey, why are you, uh, why are you doing this? He's like, um, I kind of don't know. I was like, well, you're building it to be a, a runner? Are you going to run this gun? Are you building it to be on distance? Are you building it to be just a flanker? And you don't really tell them how much money you got to keep? Like, you know, what are you, what are you taking? And his response to me was, oh, man, I, I know everything there is to know about uh, about shooting at uh, rifles. And I go, oh, I just, I'm just trying to find some parts to put together. But, oh, yeah, I'm an expert shot. There's nothing to hide when you talk. Well, I didn't even ask you about me at all. I didn't ask you about why are you building a rifle. But, well, I think somehow I, I mixed in training with that. I said, you know, training with this thing. And he just had this aura about himself that there's nothing that can be taught. And I'm like, that bothers me to no end, man. I, I've been doing this for, what, 17, 18 years now? Mm-hmm. I love going to run some other people. I don't, you don't have to be a big name either. You can be a, a guy that just, you know, really knows what you're doing, but you happen to start out in your basement. That's fine with me. So you have something I can learn from you, but let's just go out and learn something, you know? Um, so it's, it's very interesting when you run into those type of people. Um, the other type is uh, the know-it-all guy that's teaching the work. You know, the type, the type of guy that wants to impress the woman with how many guns or what caliber gun he has. So mm-hmm. He has heard this obnoxious, like, 460 Smith & Wesson issue. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, his Desert Eagle. That's the first gun he's going to put in her hands to try to impress her. And then has the nerve to turn around and say, but you know the gun you should buy? You should buy the gun that's not for girls. Buy a revolver. Mm-hmm. One of my snub nose revolver. That's what you want to do. So it's like you go put this hand cannon in their hand, scare the crap out of them, and cause all kind of, you know, learning paralysis. And then at the same time, you go limit them to one of the many platforms of guns that's available. I don't know. It's just that kind of mentality bothers me as well. And I think I'm going to stop that before I pick up the whole show talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Hey, trust me. Like I said, I already know exactly what you're talking about. Um, a couple months ago, I had a friend of mine. Um, same situation. Her boyfriend was trying to teach her how to shoot, so she came to me and asked a few questions. And I put my gun in her hand, and then I put a smaller gun in her hand, and I asked which one felt better, and she said the full size. You know, so I was like, okay, let's start there, and then went ahead, and she went out there and did pretty good with it. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you wish more people would do within the culture of shooting and the Second Amendment? The first thing is to stop pushing um, the Second Amendment on people the way that we have been doing for the last 30, 40 years. And what I mean by that is stop picking up a gun and smacking them beside the head with it, figuratively, mm-hmm. saying that this is cool and this is what you should be doing. And you suck if you don't. Stop running up on people talking about politics. Stop doing it. Now, there are certain times we need to talk about it, you know, anti-gun uh, politicians, but you know how hard it is 
seem breakthrough to a person when you run up on them and the first thing you bring up is religion or politics. Mm-hmm. Because their natural guard is going to be like, either A, I don't know what you're talking about, so I think you're trying to con me, or B, I feel like I'm in tune with my religion or my politics, and anything you say from this point, I'm just going to be on the defensive. I'm not going to listen to anything else you say, you know, even if you're making sense, because my pride tells me I have to disagree with you, so I'm going to do that. Touch on them. I, want, I would like for people to start dealing with the humane side of people. Talk to the human being. Don't let politics be the first thing you bring up. Don't let religion be the first thing you bring up. Just talk to them about them. Just to know them. If you're, if you're somebody, I mean, think about it like this. If me and you sit around and we talk about the Second Amendment, we don't even really talk about the gun itself. Me and you, we, we sit up and we talk about the Second Amendment. We might say, yeah, uh, Mona Lee, you know, come take it. All these cool things and conversation with each other. We might say those things, but what we're not saying because we don't have to, we're not saying that. Well, I'm 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 going to believe in my life because I believe in remaining a free man. I believe that you know if we don't learn from our history, we're going to repeat it. I believe that the lessons taught around the world, when you go back to Stalin and Hitler and all these other people, what did they do? They disarmed their society. Mm-hmm. I believe that I want to protect my children. I believe I have the right to go to the local grocery store and make it back home safe. I believe all these innate things about me as a person. Well, that's exactly the message that we need to start communicating to people outside of us. We don't say that when we talk to each other because we understand that, right? Mm, but that's right. exactly what the people on the opposite side that we're trying to draw in need to understand. I don't want you to pick up a gun because I want you to be my friend. Mm. I don't even want you to pick up the gun before you understand why you're picking it up. Let me just have a conversation with you about who you are. Let me show you why you should be placing this insurance on your life. Do you work hard? Are you trying to achieve things in life? What do you do? Your hobbies seem very interesting. Huh. Do you enjoy your family? You like going to picnics? Like, who are you as a person? Great. Now let me, let, let me just tell you why I think you were valuable enough to have that defended. And now let's talk about this thing called the Second Amendment. But what we do normally is we smack people inside the head and say, guns are cool, you should rock, because me and Mike and all these other cool gun guys sit around and talk about these great tools and how awesome we are because, you know, we have them. That's, no, man. That is, that is a losing fight, and we, we won't win that way. We have to understand that if we're going to get people to protecting themselves and executing this freedom and growing this market and growing the Second Amendment and growing the amount of people that are in it, please understand that we have to apply taxes. So, while we're so busy taking tactical training and saying we have all this tactical equipment, you need to become tactical in the mind. You yep. truly understand what the word tactics means, you know? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, take off your plate carrier and pick up a book and understand the people around you and go have a conversation with them. And it should not always be the same type of person. I have nothing against the guys that are uh, heavily bearded, white, tattooed, better. I, I don't, I have nothing against them. Matter of fact, when you get to talking about guns, I understand you because we're on the same wavelength. You know what I mean? Like, you don't intimidate me. This is cool. Let's, let's rock. It's just who you are as an individual. But we don't, that persona is not going to work with the girl that works at the local grocery store. Is not. We need we need more people that are able to penetrate. Think about tactics. <laughs> They're able to penetrate the avenue, the community, and the market that we are trying to see the right side of it. But as long as we are screaming 
at the top of our lungs about all these uh, about all these guns and about all these rights and privileges, and we are not employing intelligence and and true human nature into it, we're not going to win. Hence the reason for the aiming for the truth. Which I don't want to talk about. But mm-hmm. that's that's what I need people to do. That's what we need to do. And on top of that, the third thing is stop cannibalizing each other. Yes. I just talked about this a little bit um, on a video I just recently did. Stop cannibalizing each other. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. You're in Columbia, South Carolina. You're a trainer. I'm a trainer. What the heck do I look like hopping on social media having a problem with you for? Exactly. And understand something. <laughs> that's the video that's going to get shared. Mm-hmm. If I come out attack, attacking you based off, you put up a video and you have a philosophy on, say, Griffin's text. Let's just say. And I disagree with your philosophy on different things. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it's it's horrible. I just disagree. And so I make this video about you. Saying that no, that's not the way you do it. This is the way you do it. And this is what's right. And this guy's an idiot. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's stupid and blah blah blah. He's gonna cause training storms. Whatever I say, you do realize that that's the video that's gonna go right. Mm-hmm. That's the one that the anti gun people are gonna pay attention to. That's the one that's going to get shared around the world. Why? Because it shows different. It shows what they, they call them. I thought gun people. I thought they kept saying that they are the more rational people. That they're the ones that know how to talk things out. Oh, they can't even get along with each other. Look at them bickering and arguing, right? Yep. So don't do that. Stop trying to be the cool guy in the room. If you disagree with something somebody did, okay. You know, everybody is the same. Now. You can reach anybody in this world. Everybody. Pick up the phone, call them, shoot me email. Hey, man. I just um, you know, can you talk? You know, I just wanted to kind of get your get your thoughts on why you were doing what you were doing, uh, and maybe he can explain it to you in a way you understand. And maybe you guys will always agree to disagree, but stop cannibalizing each other. Um, this bickering back and forth. I've had one of my guys, uh, with Northern Choice, who happens to be uh, a SWAT officer, um, and works on my team. He he made an opinion about another gentleman's uh, training video that there were a ton of training for it. This is not even up for debate. There were a ton. A training card. This is education 101. These things should not be happening. And he made a comment on the video, very constructive. You know, it wasn't confrontational at all. But what ensued was this name calling and this resume challenge. And this, oh, if we met up in person, you wouldn't say this to my face. But you call yourself a professional self defense mm-hmm. This is the way you're going to respond. You have to cut that kind of stuff out. Exactly. You have to cut it out. That would be. Some of the reasons I would say, okay. so I know that was kind of a ramble, but I meant everything I said. It makes sense. Oh yeah, it makes total sense. But it's just like a past conversation you and I had, whereas we talked about sharing the information, and if you go to my website, the different states made a list of other instructors that other people should go to because I don't believe in telling somebody in California or Texas, yeah, you need to come out here to South Carolina and get this when. I can easily simply say, hey, I know this guy in Texas. Look on my website, get his information, go pay him a visit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. And, I, and I mean, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you this, this amount of credit. That's another thing we don't do. We don't, uh, in my opinion, we don't give people enough credit. I even did a little segment, which I need to get back to, while I was randomly online. Never talked to people. Mm-hmm. Just randomly, you know, the, the second amendment person of the month. Mm-hmm. And like, the most of them have to be shooters and trainers. And the last guy was from Houston, Texas. And I just thought, I had never talked to this man a day in my life. Mm-hmm. But I know it's his stuff. He's he just he's a good family guy, you know, small company. And I just put him out there. Hey, man, his tips are great. They're awesome. They're cool. 
And, you know, karma came back to me in a positive way because a couple of months later, I get this message from you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, I want to, you know, share yourself on my website, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was all positive. Next thing you know, you told me about what you just said, about you, you would uh, recommend people around the country for others to go to so, you know, they don't have to incur large travel costs and they can get competent training in their local area. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff is great. And that's what we should be doing more of. So kudos to you for doing that. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we should be doing more of because that's what's going to make us all seem like rational, responsible uh, human beings. And you know what? Sometimes it's a good feeling when somebody else acknowledges you. It's yeah. not out of It's just a good feeling. And we should be spreading more of that. That's it. That's true. So now let's move forward talking about aiming for the truth. And right now we're in talks of bringing it to Columbia, South Carolina, and the different other cities you're talking about. But tell us a little bit more about aiming for the truth and its actual mission and goal. Okay. So aiming for the truth. What I mean for the audience to do right now is picture a move. If you have a picture a move on your mind. And there are all these different things. Now, the bullseye is the truth, right? That'd be the truth. And there are all these different things around the bullseye. So as you're squeezing the trigger on your gun, you're trying to hit the bullseye, you know, we always want to hit the bullseye. You're landing all around it, but you're not hitting the bullseye. And that's what we've been trying to do um, when we we talk about correcting the gun community and and correcting our community. Uh, We keep them separate. Guns are equal or seen as bad, so we keep them separate from true community efforts. So aiming for the truth is just that. We are dialing in to hit the bullseye about the truth about violence and what is truly truly causing violence. Um, and everything around that bullseye, things like mental health, family, financial literacy, um, employment, uh, child development, uh, historical uh, information, and humane things. And so all these things are, are what cause violence. Like, how can we argue that... Some people can have challenges in the mind, diagnosed or not, that lead them to be violent. Can we really argue that if people are financially desperate, they might not do something violent? I mean, it's hard to argue, right? So what we want to do is put the guns down for a second, and we want to go talk to people and help them reach their part of their lives. So can we help you deal with your mental illness? Yes, we can. So at this event, for all the the subject matter areas that we, we cover, we bring in local experts. Uh, me, subject matter expert. Bring those people in and we let them present to you how what they do can help reduce overall violence in your community and how it plays a part in what you do. So yes, we'll bring in mental health professionals and we'll address that. And I share my own personal testament dealing with our mental struggle. Uh, then we'll talk about, well, now that you got your platform of your mind geared up, let's talk about your, your, your employment, if you're employed or not. And then how do you get gainful employment? And we bring in employment professionals, you know, help you write resumes, help you understand what you should be putting in, help you understand how to just, not just to get a job, but to be gainful employment. How do we help you do those things? And then once we have you financially set, let's help you manage that, that money. Now let's help you understand that maybe one out of mind for a $250 tennis shoe isn't the best move when there is this thing called an IRA for shipping. Do you even know what a CD is uh, besides when it goes into your car? Let's talk about what those things are so you can really start setting up generational uh, security and generational wealth moving forward. And people are, well, why do we care about the generations in the future? Well, we want them to be building. We are stepping stone, and we want our future to build off of us. And so we have to start setting up the generational wealth wealth and that information now. Well, after we've got you understanding making money and then managing money, how many of us in, in all communities can say we didn't have 
fathers of father figures. So a lot of us, right? So let's give dads the resources to learn how to be better fathers. And if mom needs that, we can help her too. Uh, but I pick on the man because I just do. Men they have their place that they need to regain in this society. And a big part of that is being active fathers. It just is. Let's get you the tools and, and tricks and tips. And I've taught father programs for years now. I've done one through the NFL. I've done one of my own. I go into schools and mentor dads about how to better interact with the kids. So let's get you that information and help you understand, hey, man, you know that pain and all that pain and suffering that you didn't have, I mean, that you went through because of your childhood? Let's make sure they don't feel that. And then let's show you the inexpensive but so meaningful ways uh, that you can do interacting with your children and building those bonds and giving your kids something to look forward to, giving them a father, you know, giving them that. Uh, because if we can get the kids having a parental figure that they respect and when it's engaged, then we have less kids out here doing foolish stuff, right? So not only do we have we kept the dad from committing a foolish act, the dad is now securing that child from keeping that child from doing a foolish act. So now we start to set a trend and we start to change things. Um, and then, hey, how do you better communicate with the mom? How do you better build that relationship? Whether you're married or you guys just had a child together, how do you better build that relationship? Because family is the cornerstone of such. It truly is, and it's crumbling. And it's been crumbling for a while now. Mm-hmm. How do we reinvent it? How do we get that more stuff? Well, let's give you guys the information you need, the ability and the resources you need to rebuild that family unit. Because if we have a family unit, the family holds each other accountable. The family will do all the corrective actions. We don't need a legal system to do it because the family will take care of it. Family then breeds community. Now community with the family. The family is with the community. We're holding each other accountable. We understand what jobs are. We understand what financial literacy is. We're back in our children's lives. We understand how we bond with each other. I've dealt with any mental struggles. I've dealt with uh, these relationships that are causing me to act out uh, irresponsibly. I've done all these things. Now, let's get your child into a better educational system if that is an issue you're going through. Let's talk about things you can do at home. Let's talk about how you can get your kids uh, a GPA up, uh, how you can get their grades in school better, uh, and different things like that you can do at home as a parent, and different programs you can put them into in your community. Let's talk about those things, because you probably don't know what's there for you, and there are a lot of great resources when it comes to that. So now what do you do? A, you have the kid out, because now you've got this kid the better resources. You then, at the same time, giving these parents more to be invested into the kid. Now you're actually seeing your kid grow. You're seeing what you did for them and how it's bettering them in their future. So, once again, the family unit is starting to get bigger. It's starting to get bolder. It's starting to be more empowered. We want that. Now, after we've done those things, after we've exposed you to all these great things, then we ask the question. Here's the question. Do you agree that you can use all these resources to build this life for you? So we've helped you condition your mind, build with your family, gain employment, be a strong community leader, empower and uh, push your children and everybody around you out to be better members of society. Everybody's gone. Do you believe that there is somebody that will come take that from you in a blink of an eye? Somebody that will snuff that opportunity out for you? And you let the audience answer. And unanimously, I will answer yes. Everybody can understand that there's always a threat to their success. We can all relate to that. So, yes, now, at this moment, let me talk to you about protecting what you're investing into. Once you have equity in your life, it's easy to teach you to defend it. It's not even a fight anymore. Once you have equity, now we can talk about defense of that equity, the 
defensive gun investment. If you don't have a life worth defending, it's very difficult for somebody to come and run up to you talking about guns are cool, second amendment. You're, you're throwing a pebble against a brick wall. It's never one of them true. Well, here, it's like, okay, well, how do I defend that? Let's talk about this thing called the second amendment. So to this point, think about one big thing we've done. Even before we tell people to go pick up a gun, we've already helped them address mental illness, right? We've already got them tied into things that they value and they care about. So even when they pick up the gun, because they dealt with their mind and now they have things they're invested into, they're not going to do anything foolish with it. So now you have a great mind to educate. Because they're like, okay, how do I do this and do this right? Because I also don't want this to put my family in jeopardy. Great. So when we talk about the Second Amendment and we talk about the historical um, the historical reasoning behind the fact that we believe in the Second Amendment and we don't want gun control and how that plays out in your life if we allow this to continue, then you can start getting people's attention. Oh, so what you're telling me is I can be a responsible adult. You can help me understand safety. We can do this in a responsible manner. And this thing on top of that is going to help protect all this equity that I just found out that I can have the rest of my life. Yes. And then you mean to tell me there are people out there that don't believe I have the right to protect my equity and uh, to, to maintain my family and just to keep my family safe? Yes, there are people out there that don't believe you, you have the ability to do that. Okay, now we have the Second Amendment conversation. Now the mind is open because now you personally related to these individuals. Hold on. I, okay, hold on. So I've been fed all this information, all this misinformation, all these 20, 25, 30, 45, 50, 65 years of my life. I've never quite looked at it this way. Exactly. This is the answer that we've all been looking for, aiming for the truth. Mm-hmm. All those things around it is what's causing violence. The truth about violence is a gun, and people always want to focus on a gun. It's not the gun. Let's get to the truth. And everybody's truth might be different. But if we can address everybody's truth, we can get to the true roots and the true causes and aim for that truth and focus on it and dial in on it, then we can reduce violence and we can create an educated society. We can create a society with equity built into it, with family, with the structure, with the information. And then we also hold people accountable. Now, you're accountable once you have the information, you know, so we're going to hold you accountable. But it's a positive push for you to do better. And then part of that, protecting that, is you coming out to the gun rights. You were getting with people like-minded. So another thing that we, we like to do at this event is make sure that we're addressing the elephant that's in the room. I'm pretty sure you've been a part of this conversation. Sometimes it's very difficult to get some of the comrades on the other side of the aisle to understand this, uh, and sometimes it's not. It's always a conversation of, okay, great. Now, once you've gotten me to the point to where now I understand. Thank you for sharing this with me. Now I understand. Hey, you know what else that I've heard over the years or that my friends went through or that my mom went through or that my dad went through is the fact that we don't know where to go shop because there is a history of being treated wrong when we go into gun stores. And I don't care how people try to deny it. That is a fact. That happens. Um, and you walk into a place and you feel, you feel judged, you feel unwelcome. And sometimes you flat out have harsh things said to you. Well, one thing we want to do is, A, we want to drive anybody like that out of business, period. You should be treating everybody fairly. Uh, second, I like to invite FFLs out to the event. Not only trainers, but actual FFLs. And the reason for that is, it's also exposing the people. If this, if this gun dealer or this trainer or this product maker 
is here at this event for you, then you know they have no issue with you coming to this event. So they get to come out, they get to talk, and they get to mingle and interact with people to build that community bond. So, hey, guys, it's not just about your, your green. It's just not about your money. I'm actually here to support you. So when I leave Columbia, South Carolina, or Atlanta, Georgia, or Chicago, Illinois, there is that community already being built on the gun side to say, hey, no, I'm here for you. And I'm sorry about anything you experienced before. Even if it was an employee hospital, I'm sorry about anything you've experienced before. As a trainer, I apologize for anybody that made you feel intimidated or made you feel like you weren't worth coming to take a training class or you weren't valuable enough. I apologize for that. But what I am doing now is I'm standing flat-footed here for you. What do you want to talk about? Hey, yeah, come out of Hey, sure, we'll get you a small discount on some stuff. Because I want to see you into this lifestyle. I want you to protect the equity that you've now discovered in your life. So, yes, let's mingle. Let's talk. Let's, let's laugh. Let's eat a hot dog together. Let's just be peaceful. Let's just be humane to each other. Get to know me. Get to know what I do when I'm not selling guns. Or get to know me when I'm not at work at Walmart and what I do outside of that. And once we get to know each other, then it's easy to say, hey, you know, here's my phone number. Here's my business card. Call me, man. Anytime you want to swing by, whether you're buying a product or not, whether you're taking a training class or not, let's just get to hang out and get to know each other. That's how you build community, right? And and for people that would disagree with that, think about it like this. Why are we losing the fight for gun rights? Why? I'll give you one of the big answers that goes overlooked. People that happen to be anti-gun and that are just miseducated, right? They are... The local bus drivers, plumbers, electricians, cable installers, uh, teachers, local politicians, the, uh, the guy that works at the corner store, the next door neighbor, the, the sewer division worker, they are in the community every single day. And I'm not picking on those professionals, I'm just throwing out random examples. They're in the community every single day. So they're, they're spewing out gun control, guns are bad, look at the news, Horror stories, sensitive wording, they're playing on people's emotions every day, and they don't even know it. The beautiful thing is when you get people to push your agenda, and they don't even realize they're doing it. So they're out pushing gun control, and they don't even know it, but they're talking this, this nonsense every day about how we should keep people away from guns. Guns are bad. Uh, this happened in my family, which is horrible for you to have a story like that, but this thing happened in my family. And no, if we got rid of guns, our communities would be better, in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing that every day. But pro-gun people are doing what? Hopping on podcasts and videos, talking to each other. You, you know, the, the cool gun, edit, gun review video you did at the range. Now, we need all that. No one your own. That's cool. I enjoy that. But that's not going to get us into the hearts and minds of people. That's why we have to build community. We have to become part of the community we want. And right now, we are not doing a good job of that. And that's what Amy for the Truth brings. It brings community, it brings awareness, it builds equity, it addresses true problems to keep people from resorting to violence. And another thing that shocks people when I say this, but I'll say it now. At Amy for the Truth, we are not flailing around guns. We are not running around with our ARs and our cool pistols and showing them off. That's not what we're doing there. That's not the platform for that. So what we do do is it is open to anybody and everybody, including the dreaded F word being felon. It's open to anti-gun people, and it's open to felons as well. And here's the reason why. Think about it, Mike. You bring uh, a, a family into your training class, right? Let's say it's a basic entry-level concealed carry style country. One of the things you're doing in that training class, you and many people all over the country, myself included, is we're 
not only teaching them how to be safe with this tool, but we're, we have to show them, hey, you know, unfortunately, if you have to use it, this is the proper way of doing it. I want you to remain alive, right? Is that pretty much what we're doing? That's it. So, after, imagine this. If you can rub a crystal ball and you can tell your last student that you put some training, if you can tell them that, hey, I know in three months from now, at 9.30 at night, you are going to get robbed on Walmart's parking lot. This is going to happen to you. <laughs> That's a statement of fact. My job now is to train you to make sure you have the best chances in that fight as possible. We rub this crystal ball, we know that to be a fact. You go on with your training, and you train them the best way you can. What if, however, a month after your training class, so they got two months left, we had this, this individual that was going to be robbing them. Now we have the criminal. He gets brought into the aiming for the truth of that. And maybe his issue is he doesn't have a job. So that's why he was desperate out robbing, because he doesn't have a job. Uh, but nobody would give him a job. He didn't know about the community program. He also was not close to the kids. He's got two, three kids. He ain't really close to them, but he, he's upset with himself because he's not close to his kids. And he doesn't know how to rebuild these relationships. He figures it's easy to avoid them because he knows he has to face his disappointment when, when his daughter or his son looks in his eyes like, I haven't seen you in seven months. Now all of a sudden you're popping up, right? He wants to avoid that kind of conflict. Uh, but what happens when we get him in the for the truth of it and we help him adjust all those things? We help him get a job. We help him deal with the disappointment of being a dad. We help him rebuild with that, with that family. Help him get along with the mom. We help that. So now he's got all these things invested. He's actually showing up to his kids' uh, PTA meeting. He's uh, doing homework with his kids. He's calling them on Skype and, and chatting with them, you know, because we've, we've shown him how to do different things. And then he got a job. And he's learning how to actually manage his money. So he's having to challenge himself about how to build a future for his family. And so instead of robbing you at Walmart three months from now, he's actually helping you load your groceries in your car. That's the change. If you're a felon, you can come to, to the aiming for the truth of men. Why not? You should be welcome here because the last thing I want you to do is not come. And then one of these good people that I'm teaching to protect, protect their equity, they run into you three months from now at Walmart's parking lot. I would much rather you come here and become one of the good stewards and become somebody that comes and gets the resources so we don't have to worry about you. So that's the reason why we invite felons. And anti-gun people need to come in because it's still, we can help you out too. It's just because you, you happen to be miseducated on guns doesn't mean you don't have a mental illness you need to deal with. Matter of fact, that might be why you're anti-gun. You're anti-gun because you don't trust yourself. Let's help you address it. And it's gun people leading the way. But we're not talking about guns at all. We're just talking about being a community. Let's all love each other. Let's all help each other. And then at the end, we're going to bring up the second amendment. We're going to have that gun discussion. But right now, let's just build this community up. And then let's show you why you should be protected. So, yes, anti-gun people, sellers are welcome for those reasons. Yeah, that's it right there in a the nutshell. So we just got to build, bring everybody together and help everybody out. I've always said this. I think you found the formula that brings in organizations to be aware and like I said, it is an awesome tool because I think you found that missing link to the puzzle. And I think other people have been trying it, but you have actually found the better combination to put the word out there for people to do like-minded things in their community. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, what is your definition of gun control? Hatred. Okay, so. You have to, you have to literally, um, <laughs> I'll respond. So let me, I'll, I'll stay away from the word hatred for a second. Gun control. It's, it's misinformation. You want to control something that doesn't need controlling. If anything, we need more human control. And then you understand, and I don't mean human control like people in captivity. We need to help people control themselves. 
Right? Mm-hmm. So they're not out doing silly things with firearms instead of blaming the gun. Um, and it's funny, and I know it's always said, but we don't we don't blame any other tool but a gun. No matter what else, other things we do in society, the gun is always something that's easy to blame. Um, but gun control is a myth, man. It's, it's, it's not ever going to help anybody. It's, it's really not. So, for example, here in St. Louis recently, um, which I'm going to do a video on uh, coming into the, the following year, there was a gun buyback. You know, they have those all around the country. Gun buyback program. And um, one of the leaders of this gun buyback program, and I can't make this up if I wanted to, so try not to laugh. Okay, try not to laugh. But he openly says in a press conference, and I'm paraphrasing, we are not expecting the criminals to turn in a gun. Hmm. We are expecting... Uh, I know. Hold it in, man. Hold it in. I know it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're not expecting the criminals to turn in their guns. We're expecting the good people in these communities to take the guns out of your house and give them to us before somebody gets hurt with it. We don't want your gun being a gun used in a crime. We want those guns off out of your houses and turned into us to make sure nobody gets hurt. And I just stopped. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Pause. Everything you just said is the gun debate. That, that right there, that should be circled around the globe, and that should end gun control. Right there. Should be done. Yeah. Exactly. The criminals aren't going to turn their firearms into you, sir. But what you want is for good people, and you lose the example in your home. So good people that are defending their home with firearms, you don't trust them to be responsible enough to keep them secure, to be safe enough with them, to lock them up and to keep them maintained in their home. You don't even trust them to do that. Mm. But you also know that the criminals, you admit it, that crime is not going to turn them a gun. So what happens when, look, let's not make this into a whole gun thing. Let's just talk common sense here. So I bring my 12-gauge shotgun or my AR-15 or my handgun to you because you know what? You're right, sir. I'm going to agree with, with what you said. You're, you're absolutely right. This thing doesn't belong on the second floor of my home, in my wall safe. Absolutely not. I'm going to bring it to you. So I turn in my gun. A month later, my friend door gets kicked in. How do I defend myself? Because you clearly said crime ain't going to turn in. Mm-hmm. So how do I defend myself? Oh, you should be able to fight your way out of it. Okay, maybe. <laughs> and that's not even a good argument. And I know you're, you're a hand-to-hand expert. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe at 32 years old in great health, I might, if I, you know, right situation, right corner, right, you know, element of surprise, maybe I can get my hands on somebody and, you know, do something. But what if I'm a, a 55-year-old man that hasn't worked out since I was 32? Mm-hmm. Now, I can move five pounds of pressure with my fingers. I can do that. But I, I can't be going heads up with some 18-year-old kid that just kicked in my door with the strength of him. What am I going to do with him? <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, and he's armed with a gun. What, what am I going to do with him? So, yeah, that that philosophy alone right there should end this whole gun control debacle. And I also want people to think about it, not to make it political, but when it comes to your community that you should care about the most, the people that are telling you to put down the gun, are they armed or do they have armed security? Now, I just want you to think about that. Yep. There was a, another politician here locally that went on an anti-gun rate. This was right around the time of the Ferguson uh, incident happened. Um, and she 
went on an anti-gun tirade. They need to get rid of all these guns and the guns, guns, guns. You know what happened? We found out that she had a concealed carry permit, <laughs> had a gun, but was telling her constituents that they shouldn't own them. But she mm-hmm. had a concealed carry permit, had a gun, and she got arrested at one of the protests. But you know what, what happened at the protest? This is how we found all this out. She got arrested for not being at the protest. She got arrested for being intoxicated with alcohol at the protest. Mm. And her concealed carry permit. But you were the one telling your constituents that they shouldn't own guns. I'm like, hold on. You don't trust yourself because you're intoxicated. <laughs> and you're on. But like, I'm pretty sure that if you, if, uh, if somebody walks into your class or my class, we tell them that guns and alcohol don't pay. Exactly. It's funny that the anti-gun politician that tells you you shouldn't own guns is armed, has a permit to carry, and is drunk. And the other one stands on TV and says, uh, criminals aren't going to give us their guns. We know that. But we want you to give us your guns because we don't want somebody to get hurt. You mean somebody like a criminal? You don't want them to get hurt? So for those reasons, gun control is a myth. It's silly, and it, it doesn't work. And then it's hatred because you have to hate somebody to not want them to feel or to protect themselves. You have to. There's it, right. no other way around it. You don't value their life. You you have to hate something about them or something about what they're doing to not want them to have the ability to responsibly protect themselves. So that would be my answer to that. Wow. I thought you would get a check a lot of that, though. Yeah, that was pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> so um, last question for you. Um Let's play a little game. And um, I like to do this with people just so I can understand them better and see where their mind is actually at. So um, I'm going to say something to you and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. All right. So no compromise. Gun control. Training. More of it. HR 38. Love it is a standalone deal. Yeah. So like I said, pretty much the same way I would have answered it as well. So now um, tell the good people that listen to this podcast um, where they can find you, how can they contact you, and what has to take place to get one of your events to their area. Oh, that, that's easy. So uh, the website is noothechoice.net. Uh, please go over to noothechoice.net. There's a lot of great things coming up on the website, including um, – Training, uh, tidbits, information, more about the Amy for the Truth, um, videos, exclusives, gun stuff, all kind of fun stuff, community stuff, all well-rounded stuff on the website. So knowthechoice.net. On social media, you can look us up on um, Facebook in a couple of different ways. NOC for No Other Choice, NOC Firearms Training. And you can also look up KD of NOC. So that's KD for Kevin Dixie of NOC, No Other Choice, KD of NOC. If you're on Instagram, it's at NOC Firearms Training. All one word, no space to know anything. At NOC Firearms Training. If you are uh, looking to support the Amy for the Truth event financially, uh, we will have a GoFundMe launch. It will, the link will be up on the website. I'm actually wrapping up that up here in a minute, uh, so I don't have the URL, but it will be up on the website. There's also another way to do it. It's uh, on Patreon, which is a way for you to make a small monthly contribution to whatever you set that to be. It could be a little as a dollar, as much as $25. Uh, and all that, all those proceeds go back to putting on this event and helping community. Uh, and that is Patreon 
backslash NOC Firearms. Patreon backslash NOC Firearms. And then there's also the YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube channel is NOC for No Other Choice Firearms channel. Uh, and you can look out there for great videos, great time, content, tips and tricks. And we're going to do stuff a little bit different than a lot of stuff that's out there now. Uh, and I won't ruin it. I want people to tune in and see it. But trust me, it's going to be a lot of new, different, interesting things that everybody can relate. And if you want the Aiming for the Truth event to your town or even for me to be a keynote speaker at something that you have going on, just send an email over to training at nootherchoice.net. That's training at nootherchoice.net. You can also uh, carbon copy or email NOC for no other choice, ccw at gmail.com. Uh, send it over and just let me know that, hey, I, I'm looking forward to getting this to my uh, town. Or I would love for you to come be a keynote speaker in an event, and I will uh, immediately shoot you back over all the details. And I will tell people, don't be hesitant to uh, say, oh, man, this would be great to have in my town. I wish it would just be here and stop there. You can be the change agent. And when I say you, the person listening to this podcast right now, you can be the change agent. You can be the chosen individual to get this to your town. Reach out. Don't wait on somebody else to do it. You do it. You know, reach out. All right, Kevin. Well, I do thank you for your time, and we'll be looking forward to your future endeavors. All right, Mike. I appreciate your time as well. All righty. Thanks again. There you have it. Kevin and I are planning on getting his Aiming for the Truth event here in Columbia, South Carolina hopefully in the July time frame. For those who are looking to contact me, visit blackmanwiththegun.com and under the leaders tab, click on my name, Michael Woodland, and shoot me an email. If you are wanting to help me out with this Aiming for the Truth project and future projects with Ken, look for the store tab under my name on the leaders tab and purchase a Black Man with a Gun coffee mug, Black Man with a Gun shirt or two for yourself or someone else. Until next week. Keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. This portion of the show has been brought to you by the United States Concealed Carrying Association. The USCCA has been providing education, training, and self-defense insurance to responsibly armed Americans since 2003. Join Tim Schmidt and myself here at usconcealedcarry.com. Andrew, you're up next, sir. Thanks, Ken, for having me back on for another Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca with LawofSelfDefense.com. This Case of the Week is provided for educational purposes only. This week's Case of the Week is Rankin v. Commonwealth in a decision handed down by the Virginia Court of Appeals on April 24, 2018. It involves issues around the legal hoops that must be jumped through in order to have a use-of-force expert witness testify on your behalf in a self-defense trial. And what happens if those hoops are not jumped through? This case involves a Virginia police officer who confronted a non-compliant shoplifting suspect. The officer physically struggled with the suspect, then unsuccessfully deployed his taser, and finally drew his firearm and ordered the suspect to the ground. The suspect instead made a quick and aggressive gesture toward the officer who fired twice, killing the suspect. The officer was charged with first-degree murder and brought to trial. The jury found him guilty of voluntary manslaughter, and the officer was sentenced to two and a half years in prison. 
The officer appeals his conviction in part because of the denial by the trial court to allow certain testimony from a use of force expert witness that the defendant sought to have testify on his behalf to help explain to the jury why the officer's use of force decisions, particularly the firing of the handgun, were reasonable under the circumstances. Now, many folks seem to believe that an expert witness can be brought into court to testify on behalf of the defendant anytime the defendant wants such an expert witness. Unfortunately, that belief is mistaken. There are very particular hoops that must be jumped through before an expert witness will be allowed to testify before the jury. Further, deciding whether or not those hoops have been jumped through is almost entirely at the discretion of the trial judge. An appellate court will almost never overturn a verdict based on such an evidentiary ruling by the trial judge. Let's take a look at three of the hoops that must be jumped through for your use of force expert witness to be able to testify in front of a jury and explain why your use of force decisions and self-defense were reasonable. One is that the knowledge to be addressed by the expert witness is in fact specialized knowledge, knowledge that can be gained only from specialized training or experience. Jurors are presumed to possess common knowledge, so an expert can't testify about that, but jurors are not presumed to possess specialized knowledge. Second, the specialized knowledge has to touch upon some relevant factual issue in dispute, a factual question that matters to the case. After all, the jury's role is to decide precisely those factual issues, so expert testimony is only admissible if it helps them do that. Third, any specialized knowledge to justify the conduct of a defendant, and this is particularly relevant in self-defense cases, must have actually had the potential to influence the defendant's conduct. If the knowledge could not have influenced the defendant's conduct, it's irrelevant to the issue in dispute. At trial, both the officer and his chief testified about their department's use of force policies. This included testimony that the policy provided for two levels of intermediary force, between the use of a taser and the use of a firearm, specifically first hard control techniques such as a baton and defensive tactics maneuvers such as taking the subject to the ground. Now, neither of these intermediary levels of force had been attempted by the officer in this case, and that officer would explain in his own testimony correctly that it was not required that every level of force be attempted and that a police officer is trained to use the level of force that's appropriate to the situation. Now, at this point in the testimony, the officer tried to bring in his use of force expert witness to testify that the officer's conduct was not only consistent with his own department's use of force policies and training, but was also consistent with well-established and widely adopted police training and policies nationally. The trial judge, however, denied the expert witness's testimony on these national use of force policies. Why? Because the trial judge ruled that two of the three hoops had not been jumped through. Now, the first hoop, that the knowledge qualifies as specialized knowledge, not likely to be known to the jury, was certainly met. The jury can't be expected to know police use of force policies in any useful detail. The second condition, that the specialized knowledge touched upon some relevant factual issue in the dispute was not, however, met. The question for the jury in this case was whether the officer's conduct was consistent with his own department's policies and his own training and experience, and both he and his chief testified on those issues. What other departments might do nationally was meaningless to that question and thus not useful specialized knowledge for the jury. 
The third hoop, that specialized knowledge had the potential to influence the officer's conduct, was also not met because there was no evidence introduced at trial that the officer himself actually possessed this knowledge on national use of force policies at the time he killed the suspect. Remember, if you want to admit specialized knowledge in court in order to explain to the jury your decision-making in self-defense, you have to be able to document that you actually possess that knowledge at the time you acted in self-defense and didn't just learn of it later. If you only learned of it later, it could not have influenced your decision-making at the time. The officer appealed his conviction to the Virginia Court of Appeals, which reviewed the trial judge's decision-making and decided the trial judge had acted appropriately in excluding this expert testimony. As a result, the Court of Appeals affirmed the officer's conviction for voluntary manslaughter. To wrap up, getting an expert witness on use of force to testify in front of the jury that your actions in self-defense were reasonable is absolutely awesome and often some of the most compelling testimony a jury will hear in a self-defense case. But you only get that option if you're able to jump through the necessary hoops. And of those hoops, the one you have an opportunity to control today is to document your own specialized knowledge, specialized training and experience as you acquire that knowledge so that you'll be in a position to show that you possessed it at the time you had to defend yourself at some future date. So document your training, folks. That's why virtually every reputable self-defense training organization, including Law of Self-Defense, offers certificates and supporting documentation for just that purpose. If you enjoy this content, I invite you to join us for the Law of Self-Defense live show every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free to either participate live or to watch the recording after each show. For more information, point your browser to lawselfdefense.com forward slash show. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for lawofselfdefense.com. All right, Andrew, thank you so much. I want to thank also Michael J. Woodland and our new friend, Kevin Dixie. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting this podcast. I wouldn't even do it if you weren't here. In the past couple of weeks, I've been working really hard on building an online ministry called Speak Life. You can find out about it at speaklifechurch.net. It's going to be an outgrowth of the podcast, Speak Life Podcast, that is. Imagine an online church for veterans, hunters, anglers, bikers, and gun owners like you. A place where, hey, we fit in. And you can check it out on Facebook as well. Speak Life Church on Facebook. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Just in case nobody has told you this today, I love you. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next week. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. Blanchard.media.